Hello, my name is Tom Longano, and this is Boy Stories. All right, welcome back to the podcast. We have an awesome episode today. We are reading Charlie and the Lunch Bunch, which is honestly one of my favorite stories from the Red Book of Stories. It was a total blast to write. I remember really enjoying writing this one. I used to do these little lunch bunch reading incentive um, reading groups with my students and they would read a book and if all of them read a book then I would give them a candy called a jelly baby which was a very special candy for them and it became a whole kind of legend in the classroom to to you know go to these reading groups to discuss the book and then if you said a good thing about the book then you got your jelly baby so one of the things I would always say is like how did this book change your life and then I would stare a fourth grader in the eyes and they'd say like uh friendship and then i'd give them a jelly baby no they had good responses they had really good responses but anyway uh this uh this this story was based off of off of those experiences for me anyway uh without anything else here is the story charlie and the lunch bunch charlie what's in your backpack Albert asked during Thursday morning lineup. Charlie stood with his torso parallel to the ground, his bulging bag propped on his back, and held steady with two hands that reached up behind his waist. Bucks, he grunted with a slight sniff, as if to say that Albert would not know a book if it hit him in the face. How can you even stand? Albert wondered. It's only for today, Charlie said. Normally... Charlie carried four extra books along with his textbooks for class. Two books he was currently reading, one fiction and one nonfiction, then two more in case he finished one earlier than expected. Charlie lived with a perpetual yet not crippling fear that he might finish a book without another to begin. Today, Charlie carried his standard four books and precisely eight more. Five of these extra books were heavy collections of literary essays and criticism. One was a biography, but the final two books were the same novel. One, the notes copy, had tiny pencil scribbling on nearly every page, underlines, paragraphs and margins, opinions, reflections, and more. The other, the reading copy, had no markings. Both books bore the same title, Charlotte's Web. But, said Albert, confused. Why? Guess. Albert did not want to guess. He did not care enough to guess. Out of politeness, he ventured further comment. Are you in trouble? He asked. Albert figured this might be some new torture devised by Mr. L. He hoped that his neglect of last night's reading homework would not incur the same punishment. Trouble? Charlie said with a laugh. Ha! No, Albert, I'm not in trouble. I'm about to get extra credit. Charlie said these last two words with all the awe and reverence they deserved. Then Mr. L opened the door and called his students in, so Albert didn't have a chance to ask what in the world extra credit meant. Charlie nodded to Mr. L as he shuffled inside. Mr. L's eyebrows lifted. Charlie's posture resembled not so much a fifth grader ready for school as a sweaty pack mule after a day's journey. Um, good "'Morning, Charlie,' he said. Uh, "'Brought in something extra today?' "'Oh, yes,' replied Charlie, turning sideways to grin at Mr. L. "'I can't wait for lunch.' Charlie winked. 
Mr. L tried to hide his confusion. Was he supposed to know why Charlie had brought a gargantuan amount of food for today's lunch? Was it Charlie's birthday? He was about to wish Charlie a happy birthday when Charlie, who had struggled his way to his cubby, opened his bag. Books. Lots of big books. Then Mr. L remembered. Lunch bunch. Last Monday, after realizing not a single student besides Charlie had read Charlotte's Web, the recommended book of the month, Mr. L had a stroke of genius. He invented Lunch Bunch. He announced that any student who finished the book before Thursday would be invited to a special discussion group at lunch. Not only would students receive extra credit for participation, they would also, and this last point was heavily stressed, get a special treat of candy. Now Mr. L held back a sigh. On Monday, he had completely forgotten that this Thursday was Taco Thursday. Tacos were by far the best cafeteria food, and they only came once every two weeks. Lunch bunch meant that he wouldn't be able to eat until after the boys, and if the tacos were not already gone, they would surely be cold. Mr. L made a mental note to not have any more bright ideas on Mondays. Lunch rolled around, and as expected, Mr. L was hungry. He checked his watch and thought about warm, sizzling tacos. His class ran to the cafeteria, leaving behind those who had signed up for Lunch Bunch. These readers pushed their desks into a big square with Mr. L at the head. Mr. L counted Jeffrey, Leo, Timmy, Greg, and, of course, Charlie. Not a bad turnout. He placed two items on his desk. The first was a copy of Charlotte's Web. The second was a bag of Skittles. The Lunch Bunch participants immediately sat up straighter in their chairs and stopped unpacking their bag lunches to stare at the Skittles. Whatever doubts they had about the worthwhile nature of this club immediately vanished. Charlie, however, didn't see the Skittles. He was on his third trip back from his cubby carrying the last of his books. Oh boy, said Jeffrey, shaking with excitement. Not only was he about to have candy, he was going to eat lunch with his teacher. Could this day get any better? He decided it could not. Mr. L, he said, can we do lunch bunch every week? Um, we'll see, answered Mr. L. His stomach rumbled. If we do it again, it probably won't be a Thursday. I think it's pretty sweet, said Jeffrey. I'd read a book every day if I could go to lunch bunch. Mr. L considered this. The teacher in him outweighed the taco hunger, and he smiled. I'm glad you feel that way, Jeffrey, he said confident that this extracurricular activity had not been a complete waste. He glanced around the table at the boys, all of whom still eyed the Skittles. Everyone, uh, welcome to Lunch Bunch. Today we'll discuss Charlotte's Web, our recommended book of the month, and one of my all-time favorites. I can't wait to hear about, do we get Skittles at the end? Greg interrupted, or like now. I will be passing out candy during our discussion, Mr. L explained with some restraint. You'll get Skittles after you answer a question about the story. That's how Lunch Bunch works. Extra credit will be given at the end. You may eat your lunch while other students talk, but please do not chew with your mouth open. Try not to make a mess. His gaze lingered on Timmy, who had spilled pink yogurt on his desk and was trying to disguise it by spreading it around with his thumb. Mr. L slid Timmy a napkin. Does that sound good? He said. The boys nodded. Great, said Mr. L. 
Let's begin with uh, what we liked most about the book. What was your favorite part, Jeffrey? Charlie sat behind his pile of secondary sources, both the notes copy and the reading copy of Charlotte's Web open before him. He hadn't touched his lunch. He wasn't hungry. All week he had prepared for this discussion. He couldn't wait to dazzle Mr. L with his insights and claim the most possible extra credit. Extra credit. Just the thought of it made Charlie shiver. That being said, he already had a perfect score in literature, the class associated with Lunch Bunch. He never missed homework, got 100% on every reading comprehension quiz, and never received less than an A-plus for his essays. But Charlie was not satisfied. He had suffered a recent scare when his essay, What I Want to Be When I Grow Up, did not get returned with the others. Mr. L had asked to speak with him alone, and Charlie had feared the worst. Apparently, his essay included too many footnotes. The bibliography, while in complete accordance with the Chicago-style citation format, was considered unnecessary. Mr. L flipped through the stack of papers that Charlie had turned in. The assignment had been for one page, typed, and said that this was, quote, a lot to handle, unquote. Charlie insisted that his desire to be an aerospace engineer should be backed up with hard data and scientific analysis. That's why he included reports of standard average salaries, depending on varying years of accumulated experience, of course, and allowing for inflation from now until the time he entered the job market, as well as percentage chances for admittance to top engineering schools, assuming his grades followed the same trajectory they'd had from first through fifth grade. Mr. L frowned over this, and Charlie wondered if he'd made an error in the math, and if that might negatively impact his grade. In the end, Mr. L only said that next time, Charlie should probably leave the psychological evaluations from his doctor out of school assignments, because that was private information. Charlie accepted this, but explained that it was important for colleges to know that he had no outstanding mental conditions. Mr. L paused as if to wonder whether this statement was in fact accurate, but shrugged and figured the doctors knew better than he did. The paper received an A-plus, and Charlie breathed a sigh of immense relief. Still, that essay taught Charlie a valuable lesson about literature. It wasn't like math or spelling, which had clear answers. No, in literature, there were too many variables. He couldn't risk his entire grade on the mistaken inclusion of footnotes. Last time, he'd been lucky, and Charlie was not one to rely on luck. This opportunity for extra credit came as a chance to pad his already dubious 100% for the quarter. Then, as Charlie further reflected on Lunch Bunch, he realized that if his literature grade stayed perfect, and he also got extra credit added, then his grade would be higher than an A+, at the end of the quarter. What would happen? Would he be the first fifth grader to attain such academic heights? Would he be catapulted past sixth grade and into seventh on the basis of personal genius? Charlie tried not to dwell on the spoils of victory before the battle was won. Just the thought had made him roll over in bed and flick on his light, crack open the next chapter of his secondary sources, and study for that extra credit. Jeffrey finished his answer to Mr. L's question. Charlie hadn't listened. He'd been rehearsing his own response in his head, figuring Jeffrey wouldn't have anything to say. But then, to his surprise, Mr. L smiled and said, Very good, Jeffrey. Uh, That was an excellent point. 
Mr. L withdrew a green Skittle from the bag and rolled it across the desk to Jeffrey's waiting hand. Jeffrey popped the candy in his mouth, smacked his lips, and beamed. Charlie couldn't believe how foolish he was. Why hadn't he listened? Maybe Jeffrey had provided an insight that he, in all his research, had missed. Or maybe worse, this insight could be similar to what Charlie was about to say, and so his statement about what he found most intriguing about the book would sound like a mere repetition of Jeffrey's response. Charlie cringed, cursed his stupidity and inattention, but he couldn't dwell on his error for long. Mr. L had turned to Greg. Greg, uh, what was your favorite part? Just after Mr. L said this, Greg took a giant bite of cold meatball sandwich. He looked up, appearing surprised, and mumbled something about chewing and needing to skip him for now. Mr. L rolled his eyes and turned to Leo. Charlotte's Web, said Leo, was a good book. I like the part about Charlotte weaving webs that told messages. Then the people were tricked, and Charlotte was very clever in how she saved her friend. My favorite part was when the web said, Some pig. Leo made a big gesture with his arms as he said this, announcing the two words in a dramatic voice. This made Timmy laugh and agree, saying the web was his favorite part too. He also liked the part when Wilbur won the prize at the fair. Mr. L smiled and thanked them both, then rolled a skittle to Leo and another to Timmy. Charlie was stunned. Excuse me? He said. Mr. L didn't hear. He had turned back to Greg. Okay, Greg, he said. What was your favorite part? Uh, you know, Greg shrugged. The part uh, Leo and Timmy just said about the pig in the web. Mr. L squinted at him. And what was your least favorite part? He asked slowly. The part where the pig died, said Greg confidently. That was super sad. The other boys looked at Greg. Charlie's mouth dropped. Mr. L's eyebrow raised. Uh, just kidding, Greg burst out. No, no, not when the pig died, when the little girl died. He pointed at the cover. That was sad. I cried, uh, like three times. The reactions from the table got worse. Jeffrey snickered. Be quiet, Greg hissed, kicking Jeffrey under the table. But Fern doesn't die, Jeffrey corrected him. Charlotte the spider dies. Uh, yeah, duh, said Greg. That's what I said. Or, or I was trying to say, I, I forgot her name for like a second, but Charlotte was a girl spider and that's what I meant. Uh, w when she died, it was super sad. I cried. Three times. He nodded to emphasize his point. Then he held out an open hand to Mr. L. Again, Mr. L remembered the tacos. He was ready to wrap up Lunch Munch. Well, Greg, he said with a sigh, I'm uh, glad you felt touched by the story. Super touched, said Greg, nodding. Do I get my Skittle now? Mr. L reluctantly rolled a Skittle to Greg, who grabbed it and winked at Jeffrey. Next time, just make sure you pay attention to the characters' names, okay? Said Mr. L. Okay, said Greg, chewing his Skittle. Charlie, what was your favorite part? Said Mr. L, turning to the final participant. Charlie blinked. So much had happened in the previous minute of discussion that his brain was still attempting to make sense of it all. Mr. L misinterpreted his silence. It's okay if you don't remember, he said, seeing that Charlie had many books on the desk and was probably reading way more difficult and mature stories than Charles Webb. Just, you know, see if you can recall what your favorite thing was. Something you enjoyed. 
Charlie cleared his throat. <clears throat> this was go time. I enjoyed the story's presentation of complex, irreducible human truths in anthropomorphic relationships among ordinary barn animals, he said briskly, which, of course, constructed a pseudo-political allegory reminiscent of Orwell's Animal Farm, albeit with a moralistic simplicity that bordered on the overtly sentimental. What I did not enjoy was E.B. White's idealized representation of farm life in early 20th century rural America and his naive undervaluing of the grueling nature of daily tasks for an average wage earner. Take, for example, the laborer, only ever referred to as Lurvy. First, the lack of a second name in itself strikes me as a pejorative and dehumanizing characteristic, especially when the farm owner and manager, who himself never lifts a finger toward any sort of manual labor, is awarded the classically informed title of Mr. Homer Zuckerman. Now, Lurvy is instructed to clean the pigs. Thank you, Charlie, said Mr. L. That is a good thought. He rolled a skittle in Charlie's direction. It collided with a book and bounced off the desk. Charlie did not watch it fall. You can eat that? said Greg, looking at the ground. But, M Mr. L, said Charlie, I didn't finish. That was all very interesting, said Mr. L, but we are having a discussion, and we have to hear from everyone. What did you all think about the theme of friendship? Uh, was Charlotte a good friend to Wilbur? Yes, said Jeffrey confidently. Mr. L was about to roll him another skittle, then paused. Okay, he said, but why? Can you explain your answer? Well, said Jeffrey, Charlotte was like a super cool spider. Like she did all this stuff to help Wilbur and be his friend when he was lonely. And then because she loved him, she died. That's very profound, Mr. L said, rolling Jeffrey not one, but two Skittles. That's what I was going to say, Greg said. I thought Wilbur and Charlotte being in love was the best part of the story because you wouldn't think a spider and a pig should get married, but it didn't matter because they couldn't because the spider died. Okay, Greg, said Mr. L. Greg was disappointed to find no Skittle rolling toward him even after this stellar contribution. Kind of building on Greg's point, Leo added, Charlotte's love for Wilbur, her friend, shows that you don't have to be married to love someone. You can love a friend, and she showed that through sacrifice. Wow, excellent point about sacrifice, said Mr. L, trying to take the conversation away from the possibilities of pigs and spiders getting married. Leo received three Skittles at once. This set Timmy off, too. I totally agree, said Timmy. Charlotte sacrificed everything for Wilbur. Like, she didn't have to, but she stayed with him even when she was sick and tired with her eggs, and the little babies that came out of the egg sack said hi to Wilbur, and those were signs of Charlotte's love and sacrifice. Spiders lay eggs? giggled Greg. <laughs> That's gross. Timmy received two Skittles for his comment, and Greg received none. What did you guys think of Templeton? asked Mr. L. Oh, Templeton, said Jeffrey. <laughs> He's such a little trickster. I didn't like him. He was creepy, said Timmy. But Templeton was a friend, insisted Leo, because he helped Wilbur and Charlotte in their time of need. Remember when he got really fat, Jeffrey said, and they all laughed, even Mr. L. Timmy, Jeffrey, and Leo all received skittles for their comments about Templeton. Charlie regained his breath. He could hardly believe what was happening. If the amount of extra credit given was in any way proportional to the number of Skittles received, then this lunch bunch 
was a disaster. Somehow, he had made a grave mistake. No, he wouldn't give up. Not yet. Charlie cleared his throat again. I find it interesting and not a little ironic that E.B. White should be remembered as one who wrote about friendship, he said, stressing the last word as he opened his biography of E.B. White on the desk before him. Because the man himself had very few friends, a notorious recluse he kept to his own company and had no time for well-wishers or admirers. Thank you, Charlie, said Mr. L, somewhat abruptly. At Charlie's hurt expression, he tried to explain. Uh, we're talking about Templeton now. What do you think of him? Crass stereotypes are a crime in any work of fiction, Charlie replied, but in a book intended for children, they are an absolute tragedy. Excuse me, said Mr. L. The portrayal of Templeton the Rat was a shameful and inexcusable... Where are you getting this? Charlie proudly opened one of his four giant books of critical essays. He flipped to the essay number 15, entitled... Charlotte's Webb, A Study in Stereotypes, and began to quote, The jealous, treasure-hoarding rat is but another example of prejudice in its most pernicious form. Greg interrupted with a loud snort. (laughs) Do you have something to add? Charlie demanded, growing red. No, said Greg. Only Charlie thinks he could get more Skittles just because he says big words. Charlie slammed the book shut. You, he snapped, you are an ignoramus what did you call me greg's face now turned red too you didn't even read the book charlie shrieked you saying i'm a liar greg slammed his hands on his desk and jumped out of his chair now uh charlie mr l said attempting to defuse the situation everyone is entitled to his opinion maybe greg just found different things about charlotte's web that he liked which you didn't think about that i didn't think about Charlie yelled, that I did Mr. L, he thought the spider tried to marry the pig. So what, said Greg, could have happened. That's biologically impossible. It's a book, dummy. In books, people make stuff up all the time. Why don't you try reading one? This last comment was too much. Charlie made a lunge for Greg, but Mr. L raised his voice and both boys looked back to the teacher. That's the end of Lunch Bunch, Mr. L announced with finality. Wondering how the conversation had veered back to the marriage of spiders and pigs. Good job, everyone. You may go to break. Are you kidding me? Charlie's voice was raised. He had no longer addressed Greg. Everyone at the table watched with big eyes. Something in Charlie had snapped. He was yelling, actually full out yelling, at the teacher. This was the dumbest discussion I have ever had in my life. Literally nothing was said that was of value whatsoever and not even by the people who read the book. At this, he pointed at Jeffrey on his right. Wrong, Jeffrey said. (laughs) I didn't read the book. My mom read it to me. So there. And I'm sure Jeffrey's mom would have had terrible contributions as well. Charlie yelled, hey, leave my mom out of this. Jeffrey said, offended. You're the one that brought her in. Enough, said Mr. L, sharply, staring at Charlie and communicating an unspoken warning. Charlie, as I said, lunch bunch is over. No, it's not, Charlie roared. You said we were going to have a discussion about Charlotte's Web, an informed intellectual discussion to prove that we read and digested the material, and I have researched and prepared, and you are not going to stop me from getting my extra credit. Got it? 
Not you, Mr. L. Not E.B. White. Not Jeffrey's mom. Not Templeton the rat. Not anyone. You hear me? Huh? You hear me? He threw a book open, daring anyone to defy him. Mr. L looked a little frightened. Charlie continued. Now, as I was saying, a Marxist reading of the power struggles implicit in turn-of-the-century animal rearing reveal an undeniable flaw in the standard interpretation of Charlotte's supposedly benign relationship to the institution of the farm. She is no true friend to the inhabitants, for she can only ever be the undeniable other, due not only to her nomadic status, but more importantly, her inescapable femininity. Of course, implicit masculine bias is most egregious in the character of Fern, a relative of the owner himself, might I add, who is a woman and so qua woman has no place whatsoever in the patriarchal hierarchy designed to value even the so-called special male pig over her own feminine identity and Charlie. Mr. L stood up, one hand out. I don't know what you're saying, but Charlie went on. Louder than before. There would be no stopping him now. Religion itself becomes a specter enabling and justifying the Anglo-American fascination with popularity and what can only be understood as a capitalistic award-giving structure in a country fair environment which mocks and demonizes the marginalized while performing a veritable apotheosis of the virile and strong he shouted. Furthermore, the concept of a miracle is readily employed by those same rural masses to excuse their fascination with dominance and pecuniary success. We're in a closer study of the science behind the web, which incidentally none of the characters think it prudent to examine, would surely reveal it could only be the biological production of an active and healthy spider. Its shape perfectly explicable as a coincidental occurrence within a naturalistic framework of cause and effect, regardless of the ethical and linguistic significance conferred by the vague superstitions of an uneducated and institutionally subjugated laboring class Mr. L invited Charlie's parents to a mandatory chat after school that day. Charlie sat outside and read a book, but he couldn't concentrate on the words. His face was still very red. He'd yelled at the teacher. He'd profaned the sacred and temporary institution of lunch bunch. This was the biggest trouble he'd ever been in. As he pretended to read, Charlie half expected a siren to sound from the parking lot and for police to arrive and take him away to juvenile prison. At the very least, he was certain his literature grade would plummet. Charlie would have preferred prison. When his parents emerged from the teacher's room with concern on their faces, but love in their eyes, Charlie embraced them both and sobbed. Then he heard his sentence. First... Mr. L apologized for the miscommunication regarding expectations for Lunch Bunch. He then said he would allow Charlie to write an essay on Charlotte's Web, demonstrating the knowledge he had gained in exchange for extra credit. Charlie's tears became tears of joy. He couldn't fathom the boundless mercy of his teacher. His parents said he would be punished for yelling at Mr. L. They also promised to be more focused on his schoolwork. What that meant was that every night they would check what homework he had and make sure that he did only that homework and nothing more. Then he would be forced to go outside and play. Charlie swallowed. This was a steep sentence, but he was sure he deserved it after his behavior. Mr. L shook hands with Charlie's family and Charlie went home. A changed man. The next morning, Mr. L announced there would be no more lunch bunch ever again. Jeffrey moaned and said that was the worst announcement he'd ever heard. Greg asked what Lunch Bunch was. Charlie nodded with understanding. His 14-page essay had been turned in that morning. It earned him three whole points of extra credit, but no Skittles. 
All right. So that was Charlie and the Lunch Bunch. Kind of a crazy story. And we have uh, Charlie to... Hi. I have some things to say, and I would like to say them now. Okay. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, this is your time. This is your interview, Charlie. So you... Um, I see you dressed up for the occasion. Yes. I I am wearing a tie. I am wearing a sports coat. Um, and it's all very, you know, color coordinated. I think you, did you have your mom help you out with that? Nope. I take pride in the way that I dress. Oh, that's, that's very good. Okay. So you wanted to say, say something. Yes. Here's what I want to say. I was wrong. What I did, what I said was wrong. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess you did get... You did get a li- in a little bit of trouble. I yelled at the teacher. I should not have yelled at the teacher. That was wrong. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you were a little bit, you, you were, dis- you know, you, you had all this uh, research for Lunch Bunch and maybe you kind of misunderstood the uh, uh, re- expectations or require- what I had no excuse for my behavior. My behavior had no excuses whatsoever. Okay, that's it. You know, that's that's good. I think it, it, it. Congratulations, Charlie. I think it shows maturity that you're willing to own up to your actions. It is what a man does. Yes, and you are a fifth grader, but but an aspiring man. I am a young man, but I am a man nonetheless. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so the problem was that, if I may, no, please go, go on. The problem was my work life balance was completely out of line. Your, your work life balance. Yes, my work life balance. I have two compartments and in my day to day, and one compartment has work, the other compartment has life. Now, during the time in which this story took place, the fateful lunch bunch, dark times, very dark times. Uh, well, I mean, it's not that that was the darkest time of my fifth grade career. I am in a light time of my fifth grade career. Now everything is sunshine and sparkles and rainbows. Back then, it was darkness and death. Wow. Um... You're not being over dramatic. You would so in that dark, dark time, I had my work compartment completely full. Everything I did was related to work. I worked to live. I did not wait. No, what is what is the saying? Oh, sorry. I, it looks like you're getting a little bit derailed. There. No, I practiced this in front of a mirror uh, last night. I, I worked to live. I live to work. I think. I think I live to. Wor- I lived to work. Everything. I woke up, and I worked, and that is it. And I went to bed, and then I, and then I, and and I worked in bed. Like as I slept, I worked, and that was my entire life. I had nothing in the life compartment. My entire, my everything was in the work compartment. Yeah, that that sounds like a difficult 
Uh, way, way to live for, for a fifth grade boy. It was difficult. It was darkness. But then there was this event, and I want all the boys listening to think about this. There was this event termed the Lunch Bunch, and that is when I hit rock bottom. That that was your, your rock bottom. I yelled at a teacher. That was rock bottom. Okay, that that's your rock that was my rock bottom. But from that darkness, from the ashes, I arose like a glittering phoenix into the fifth grader that I am today. Oh, that's very poetic. And here's how. Okay, you're going to... What I did was I took the compartment that had all of my life that was also work, and I separated it. So then I had my work in one side and my life in the other side. So that I could live. So that I could experience the world. So that I could go outside and look at trees and birds and sunshine and smile. Okay. Um, and, and the lunch bunch made you do this. Yes, because it was a, it was a moment. It was a, if you will, a, a an epiphany in which I recognized how dark my life had become okay i you got a little bit overexcited about an assignment i don't i don't think this is you know it's it's not like it was rock bottom i had nowhere to go i was obsessed with work with studying with grades and these are all extremely important things but you know what else is important mr tom you know what else is extremely important huh Flowers, friendship, okay, that baseball, yeah, um, uh, sorry, are you done? You, I, I can't tell if you're taking dramatic pauses or your amusement parks. Oh, you've been to an amusement park recently? I have been once. It was terrifying. I do not intend to go again, but I understand why some people enjoy them. Okay. Uh, cool. So, so you're enjoying all of these um, uh, uh, different, different, you know, flowers and, and amusement parks and and friends. That's good. It's good to have friends. Um, and 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 the the reason you've been able to do this is because you've you've been working less. Absolutely, it is pivotal. And I want any boy to hear this. It is pivotal, pivotal, two. Take yourself away from your work and enjoy the people in your life. Enjoy your surroundings. Just breathe. Okay, I I feel like maybe, Charlie, uh, a lot of fifth graders, I, just from the ones I know, might, <laughs> might have the opposite problem, right? So, like, they they really like enjoying life and the people around them and and amusement parks, but you know the 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 work element might need might, might need a little bit more focus. They need to focus on the work on the work element a little bit more. Absolutely not. No, it is it is it is pivotal to remember that there are more things in life than homework. Pivotal. That's a you like that word. I do. Okay. Um. So so you're saying that for boys who only do homework. Uh, for what? Like, I, I mean, how many hours a night were you doing homework? I was doing homework for four to five hours a night, 
And then I would do extra work that I had given myself to improve myself even more. Wow, that, that sounds miserable. But now I'm a happy man. I only do two hours of homework a night. Two, Mr. L assigns you two hours of homework each night? No, I do Mr. L's homework and then I do my extra assignments. Where do you get those? I give them to myself, but I only do it until there, until two hours is up. And then I live. I go outside. I read. Oh, so the reading is not part of your, no, the reading is personal development, you know, reading fiction or some nonfiction or some encyclopedias. Oh, so, so you, you're done with your two hours of homework and then you read the encyclopedia is, is, is that it? Maybe. Maybe that's what I do. Or maybe I smell flowers. Okay, so, but the point is, that's life. We need to embrace life. We need to grab life, grab it, and hold it before it gets away. <laughs> okay, and I want everyone on the podcast to, to understand that. And you can listen to the Lunch Bunch story, which I know is a difficult story to hear. I know it's a terrifying story. I know that you don't like that story, but it's good. Enter the darkness. Remember the darkness, because through the darkness, you can see the light. Okay, uh, again, very poetic maybe missing the point i don't understand what point you think i am missing well i you know most some people i it's a funny story it's a, it's funny that you got a little bit too into the assignment right i don't think that was funny at all i think it is somewhat insulting that you would find humor in the worst moment of my fifth grade career well charlie I hate to say this, but there there are going to be you know there are going to be other moments in your life that that are that are you know not going to go well, right? Like I, I think if if the lunch bunch is the worst moment of your of your fifth grade, you know it, it, it's not it's it's not the worst thing in the world, right? I will never have a moment as bad as the. I will never again yell at a teacher, never, and the reason is because I am very focused on my work life balance all right now you're just starting to creep me out uh but because every morning i keep track of what i have done in my work compartment and what i have done in my life compartment right and i measure these things in a balance a balance okay um <clears throat> yeah so what have you considered this just hear me out are you listening i'm listening but i've put a lot of thought into what i am doing yeah i i realize that okay um I, i'm just saying maybe right uh, if you put less thought into things like your work-life balance or, or just your work in general or just, you know, less thought, period, um, maybe you'll enjoy yourself more, right? Like watch a movie. When was the last time you watched a movie? I only watch movies that were made before 1960. Oh, um, why? Because they are intellectual. I will watch film filmed representations of Shakespeare plays, for example, I will, that's not a normal, okay, what about like a Marvel movie? Have you ever seen a Marvel movie? That is trash. Okay, that's a strong, where, you know, a lot of people listening to this might like Marvel movies. Well, they're wrong. 
and their opinions are trash. Okay, that we're, you're we're relatable. We're trying to make you relatable. Why should I relate to those who are beneath me? Okay, that no, that's not. That's you know, that's rude, and it's not true. No one's beneath you. You're a fifth grader, right? In fact, you're probably beneath a lot of people. And I'm the one being rude. No, I, I don't mean that. I okay. I l- let's go back. Then it's good to have work-life balance. I just think it's good to enjoy yourself. That's all. I, I think that it's not wrong to enjoy yourself. I enjoy myself all the time. I enjoy myself by doing things that are in my category that is called life in my work-life balance. I you, I think, Charlie, you enjoy mm, planning things. I do. Okay, so that's like one of your strengths. Um, but maybe uh, something you could work on is, okay, what can I work on? Tell me. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, you don't have to, why, why are you, t- I want to take notes. I'm ta- that's why I have my paper out. Okay. Uh, you, I, I was going to say you could, you could work on like, like not thinking about these things as much. Okay. He's, he's writing down. Do not think about these. This is how I retain information. So I would appreciate it if you would not, uh, make fun of what I am doing right now. But please continue to tell me how I can work on work on myself. What is it? I should I should I well I, I think you should stop work stop working on yourself. And he's writing stop working on myself. Okay, what about the uh, Charlie? In order to I, I in order to I, I think you should uh, take less notes. Okay, uh huh. So he's writing take less notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey. Yep. There you go. See, I don't appreciate what you just did. Okay, that's. I there it's good to have work life balance. I I think this is good and this is a good direction from where what happened in the lunch bunch. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um uh, I do think that you can't avoid things like the lunch bunch. We all lose our temper we all lose our temper, temper. We all lose our temper sometimes. Um and that's just okay. You know, we just have to we just have to pick ourselves up and realize we're all human. Okay, but if I have the perfect work-life balance, I will never lose my temper again. Mmm, no, that's not, that's not really how it works. Well, have you tried to have the perfect work-life balance? I mean, I, I guess I have, I think I have a good one, but not the perfect one. Well, then how would you know? Okay, uh, I think that it's good to relax and enjoy life. It, the summer's coming up. What are you going to do for the summer? I have a lot of summer projects. Oh, why don't you tell us some of the... I have 17 different research projects that I have assigned myself. Each project has a book list of about 50 to 60 different books related to that topic, which I will be reading, and I will be compiling a report of... E- where do you Where do you get all this? What is... what? I'm just confused. Like, where do you... Uh, wh- wh- where do you get these ideas? The internet. Oh, so you? I do a lot of research on the internet. Okay, I mean that's that's good. So I guess if it's if it's good stuff, it's very important things. Um, well, what 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 is like one of the topics that that you're researching? I'm researching the velocity of an object as it travels through space. Okay, I you, I I think we already lost all of our audience. Um, but hey, you know what? Thanks for coming on. Um, I'm really glad. I'm really glad that you are that you have this 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 new philosophy, um, and you're happy. Are, are you happy? I when I have my two compartment. Okay, but Charlie, are you happy? Well, 
when I'm not in trouble, I'm happy, and so I would say yes. Because I have not been in trouble since the lunch bunch, I am happy. Okay, um, that's good. I think as you grow up, you'll probably learn a little bit more about um, about how to how to how to balance your your attitude towards towards your work life balance. My, is there something wrong with my attitude? No, it just you know I I. Let relax. Let's let's relax. Let's just you know here with the podcast. You know that I think that you. Sh- I hope you have a great summer. All right. I hope I do too. I hope I have a productive summer. I hope I no. I hope you just have a great summer. I hope you enjoy your summer. Huh? Why don't you go to the amusement park? Go to the amusement park with Jeffrey. I might do that uh, if my research assignments are finished, who are you, who are you turning these assignments into? I turn them into myself. I check them and I make edits and then I have comments and I give those comments to myself. And then I go and I fix those. Oh, this sounds, this is, I'm sorry, Charlie. That that just sounds miserable. Well, we all have our hobbies, don't we? Yes, we do, Charlie. We all have our hobbies. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on and thanks for discussing this very interesting philosophy. Yes. Uh, thank you for having me, Mr. Tom. And again, I apologize for everyone who had to listen to that very dark, sad story. But remember, there is always light. Great. Thanks, Charlie. This has been a Boy Stories podcast production written and performed by the author Tom Longano. The Red Book of Stories and the Blue Book of Stories are available on Amazon.com. You can also get signed author copies on TomLongano.com. This podcast has been produced by the legendary George Martin. And if you like the podcast, please do leave a rating and a review, whether on the Apple Podcast site or if you like the stories, you can leave a rating and a review on Amazon. We read all the reviews and uh, we really, really appreciate them. Uh, please do share with friends as well. And if you have any questions uh, for Tom Langano or any of the characters and you'd like your question to be featured on a podcast, uh, you can... Email Tom Longano through the contact portal on TomLongano.com. You can also record a voice message on Anchor, and then you will get your voice on the podcast. Very exciting. Thank you so much for listening. This has been so much fun for us, and we hope it is just as much fun for you. See you next time.